Good morning. Take your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. We're going to start a new series for the month of January that talks about what is a church. What is the local church? What is the church more broadly? The Bible refers to the church in multiple places as the bride of Christ. So that's where this title comes from. And uh, I think it'll be really, really good for us. Let's look at Acts chapter 20. I want to read the text and pray, and then we'll jump into what I believe God wants us to learn today. Acts chapter 20. This is Paul nearing the end of his life, and he kind of sees the finish line and has something to say to the pastors at the church at Ephesus about the church. Verse 17, now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus, Paul did, and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house testifying both to Jews and to Greeks, what was Paul's message? Repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that's the basics of what the Christian faith looks like day in, day out. Repentance towards God and faith in Jesus. Repentance towards God and faith in Jesus. More repentance towards God and faith in Jesus. That's how our life starts, and it's an ongoing thing for us. And now, Paul says, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Then why are you going, Paul? Because I need to go. God wants me to go. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So many of our struggles come from the fact that we count our lives too dear to ourselves. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. So, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. Remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Let's pray together. God, would you guide us into the truth of your word today? This topic is such a tender one. It's so convoluted in this valley. It's so different from the shopping mindset of our day that I can go have tailor-made for me whatever I want. 
Would you expand our understanding? Would you correct us where we are in error? Would you lead us and train us in godliness through the truth of your word today? Would it grow us to be fully what you intend us to be? Guard my words, I pray. You know, Lord, the the depth to which this truth is in my soul. So God, would you protect me from saying things I ought not and guide me to say just what you would want said this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for its truth for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I wanna start with a simple question this morning. Why are we here? I mean, really, in an age when there are so many reasons not to be here, we're all aware of the surge of COVID in our community. I don't want this message to be about COVID. I really don't want any message to be about COVID. <laughs> we gotta deal with it, we gotta walk through it. By the way, if you're new to Gospel Hope, that's not what we're about. So do what's wise and best and you believe honors the Lord and we're good. When it would be really nice to sleep in on Sunday morning, wouldn't it? Some of you retirees are like, I sleep in whenever I want. We're jealous of you. Some of you with kids had a really rough night last night. Isn't it amazing how hard Sunday mornings are? Just all the time. As you can tell, we have a little spunky guy over here. Not afraid. The red hair doesn't lie. Man, be nice to have a two-day weekend fully. Schedule golf times or fishing or not miss the early kickoffs that start on the NFL at 11. Some of you care about that. I do. Why are we here? Why gather? This is an imperfect place, isn't it? I mean, the idea of what a church is in this valley is a mess. Churches themselves are a mess. They're filled with all kinds of sinful people who struggle to to figure it out together. Say, well, I'm here because I think I should be. I hope we can have a better reason than that. Well, I'm here because our family always comes. I hope we have a better reason than that. I'm here because I'm really discouraged and my heart just needs encouragement. That's a better reason, but I think we can go even beyond that. I really want us to zero in in our hearts this morning to just one verse in the verses that we read. That's why I spent so much time kind of hitting on some of the other ideas. We'll spend more time on these in our community groups that are going to resume this week uh, in the rest of the verses. But I really want us to dial into verse 28. Would you read it again with me? Once Paul has told kind of the background and, and how he was faithful and where he was headed and this was the last time he was going to see him, here's what his like, So, therefore, verse 28, pay careful attention to yourselves. He's talking to pastors here, but but I think extended to all of us. And to all the flock, the whole church family, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And I want you to remember throughout what we talk about today that what Paul is saying here is not about an abstract idea. Some people take the idea of a church and they make it so big that it doesn't have any meaning. Well, well, what Paul here is saying is like, think about the whole church worldwide and forever before and forever into the future and like, wow. 
And that is a wow, by the way. <laughs> we read about Revelation and the gathering of all Christians from all times and all places. And yes, that's, that's a wow. That's significant. But what Paul is saying here is to real people in a real place with a real gathered church family. He says something amazing. Jesus bought the church. See that? To care for the church of God which Jesus obtained with his own blood. I have two gifts here that have been made or purchased for me. One, I just got this morning. It's a little heart. And I got it from Isabel Vinicky. And she came in, she gave me this heart today. I think it's made out of Play-Doh or something. Clay, thank you. <laughs> Sammy's on it. His sister made it. Have a little heart. And she gave it to me. You know what she said? Thanks, Pastor Matt, for teaching me about God. Now, I, there is no way that I'm going to put this on eBay, make a whole bunch of money. <laughs> right? It's, it's probably not going to become a collectible. But it means a lot to me. Just like that coloring on your fridge means a lot to you. And it means a lot to me because of who it came from. Right? And because of what it means to her to have a relationship with me. Isn't that cool? I didn't plan this. I just, she just gave it to me this morning. The other is an old book by a famous pastor named Charles Spurgeon. How many of you know who Charles Spurgeon is? Pretty familiar. Okay, C.H. Spurgeon. He was a pastor in England many years ago who just had an amazing gift of speaking and writing. And I got this book when I was considering becoming a pastor. I believe that's what God had called me to. And I got it from my pastor back in New Hampshire when I was in high school. I graduated in 1999. You can't see this, but the inside of the cover says June 6, 99. And here's what's inscribed on the inside. Dear Matt, may the Lord use you in your ministry. I haven't even started. I haven't been to college yet. We will be praying for you and excited to see what the Lord will do through you. It's old and tattered, but this book is a piece for your collection from mine. The church is the purchase of Jesus. He bought it himself. We're here today because the very Son of God left heaven and all its glory and became a baby in a manger. Hopefully I haven't forgotten that already from last month. And showed up to do something. He showed up to start something. Colossians 1 says that Jesus is the head of the church. It's his. He bought it. And he bought it in love. He bought it because he cared. Listen to the personal level of Jesus' care that he expresses in Matthew 16. I will build my church. It's Jesus. Don't get any idea that there's some human being who this is all about. Like, man, I love that church. Just have great pastors. We, we, yeah, we do. No, I don't know if we do or we don't. We have, we have pastors, right? And I'm thankful for the team that God has brought here. I'm thankful for the church family God has brought here. But it's not about any one of us. 
Jesus cares. I will build my church. He cares personally. He cares protectively. You remember John 10? My sheep hear my voice and I know them. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. And no one will pluck them out of my hand. And then he used that great picture, doesn't he? They're in my hand and then they're in the father's hand and they aren't getting out. I try to hold on to my son sometimes. He gets out. <laughs> then I have to retrieve him. And he says, Cha-cha-cha. you aren't ever getting out of Jesus' hand. I was talking to somebody this morning who was like, I just feel such a responsibility as a dad for the safety of my family. And I said, you don't keep them safe. God (laughs) keeps us safe as long as he chooses. Your days are in his hand. That doesn't mean we should be reckless. That doesn't mean as dads we shouldn't care for our families. Right, hear me on that. But, But if you have been purchased by Jesus, if you know him, you're in his hand and you're in the Father's hand. He cares for you protectively. He cares for you personally. He cares for you providingly. Isn't it great that God takes the responsibility to provide for us? Deuteronomy 18 tells us that it's not in our power to gain wealth. Some of you have seen that you've worked super hard and it's all gone away. And you're like, yeah, that wasn't in my power. And some of you have seen that you haven't, you, you haven't worked in a way that hard and God's provided it. God takes the responsibility to provide for us because he cares. I haven't talked to the pastor that I grew up with for a number of years, but it was funny as I picked up that book today how, how I felt his love in a way through the gift. Jesus has purchased the church and he's purchased it at a costly price. You see that? It's kind of like that. There's a free product placement for someone who knows who they are. What makes a gift valuable? The purchaser and the price. And that's right where Acts 20 takes us. Remember when I purchased Colleen's engagement ring? It was the first major purchase of my life. I, I never mortgaged my soul to a bank before for a house. I was just a kid. So I went to buy an engagement ring. Anybody done that? You, some of you should be nodding. You've done that. Stood in front of a case of diamonds. Had no clue about anything. Like you need to know the four C's. Cut, carrot, clarity, color, color. That's it. It's been a long time. And I stood in front of that counter buying that engagement ring and I was very overwhelmed. In fact, I was so overwhelmed that I had to write the check three times because I had never written a check that big before. I was like, what, thousand and what? I didn't even know how, to, how you wrote that on a check. It's like a skill I didn't have. I wrote that check three times. <laughs> it was like check number three. You know, like that was my stage of life. <laughs> it was awesome. Then the guy said to me, what's her ring size? I said, that is a great question. To which I do not know the answer. <laughs> he said, when are you getting engaged? I'm like, next week. He's like, oh, you're in trouble. No, he helped me through it. I bought the engagement ring, and it fit. There is the grace of God. (laughs) It's unbelievable. (laughs) Purchaser and price. Look at how the verse goes on. To care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. We're going to remember that in a couple minutes. But I just wonder, how many things would you die for? When we moved across the country from Indiana to Colorado right before we came here, 
we sold about everything we had. And I remember the drive across the country because I cried for about five states, from Indiana to about Missouri. I don't cry, but I was a hot mess, just a disaster. But I wasn't crying about washing machines or tables or chairs or decorations. I was crying because we were leaving people who we loved. And I knew that our relationships would be forever changed. And they were. And it just ripped at my heart in a way that I had never felt before. People are precious. That's why the answer to your question probably is not a thing. When I say, how many things would you die for? You would probably say, you should fix that question. How many people would you die for? And I would guess that most of us have a pretty short list. I love all of you, but you're not all on my list. Sad to say. Laying down a life is a sacred thing. And Jesus shed his blood for us. If you read through the New Testament of the Bible, you'll see that there are a number of things that are accomplished because Jesus shed his blood. We have forgiveness through his blood, right? Redemption, the Bible says, even the forgiveness of our sins. We have peace with God because of the blood Jesus shed. Hebrews tells us that we can pray to God because of the blood Jesus shed. First Peter chapter one tells us we weren't bought with corruptible things like silver and gold as much as we think those things have great value. But with what? The precious blood of Christ. I was thinking about that even as I was reading our communion verses for this morning about how the soldiers shoved the spear in Jesus' side and out came blood and water. This gathering today is the purchase of Jesus, a costly price. And you know what that makes this? The church's one foundation is what it's called, and here's what it says. From heaven, Jesus came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood, he bought her, and for her life, he died. You know what that makes the church? A cherished possession. A caring purchaser, a costly price, and a cherished possession. Verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer to care for the church of God. Now I said, in this valley, even that phrase is loaded, isn't it? The church. Right? We don't need to be scared of it. We don't have to dance around it. It's a Bible idea. It's actually a really simple term. It's the term ecclesia. How many of you have heard that term before? Ecclesia, yeah. It has two main ideas that are tied to it. When, when we read the church of God, there's two things you should think about. Ecclesia is ek, and it's a verb kaleo. It just means called out or called out. The ek is the out, kaleo is the called. That's as much Greek as you're going to hear from me today. Maybe ever. No, you'll hear more. But. Ecclesia, it's a called out group. And it's called out for a reason. It's actually the generic term that the Bible uses and early, uh, uh, in early Greece, they would use that term for being called out to a gathering. You know what the church is? It's a gathering of people called out by Jesus. What does it mean to be called out? It means that Jesus has saved you. 
You've turned from your sin and you've trusted in Jesus as your Savior and you're part of his gathering. You're selected. Now, as much as some of you love the Utah Jazz and as much as they can make t-shirts that say, we, we are the Utah Jazz. You are not the Utah Jazz. There are 10 or 15 players that are picked by the Jazz ownership and paid to be the Utah Jazz. John Stockton isn't even the Utah Jazz anymore. He's ex- old, former. There's those players, and they've been picked, and they show up on the court, they gather together, and they play. That's the Utah Jazz. Can I tell you something? The Church of Jesus, as it's being referred to right here, is the called-out people who gather together. Let me say that again. The church is the called-out people of Jesus who gather together. This is not distance learning. I'm thankful for everyone who's joined us by live stream today. And I know because of COVID and other reasons, there are lots of people who have done that. But the church at its heart is a physical gathering of people who come together and you can identify. These pastors in Ephesus were responsible for that group of people. And isn't it amazing that the picture Jesus uses is marriage? I think that speaks to the love he has for his church. And that, my friends, is why we gather. We gather because Jesus, the Son of God, died and rose again, and he's rescuing people to be together and to follow him together. And he adores his church. He loves it. He paid for it. Listen to Ephesians 5, 25 to 27. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. I didn't know a lot at our wedding, but I knew that that dress that my wife wore was not to be messed with. Had like a train on the back of it. And you, you remember trying to take pictures with that and trying to dodge around it? And you're like, don't step on it. That thing's worth a lot. <laughs> it's really important. The picture here is that Jesus has saved and is preparing a bride for himself and that bride is his church. Sometimes when I'm reading a familiar verse, I like to read what the message says. Anybody do that? I do that sometimes. Okay, just me, great. Some of you, some of you are concerned about me now. <laughs> I had a professor in college. I, I think there are better Bible versions and worse Bible versions, right? I got opinions on all that. There's a professor in college who was like, so what do you think about that? I don't know. He goes, so imagine. He goes, I come upstairs and my teenage son is up in his room and he smuggled in a New Living Translation. He's reading the New Living Translation. Some of you are like, I love that translation. Great. By the way, does anybody know why that translation was done? It was actually a dad who was trying to do a translation that was easy for his kids to access and read. That's, That's why that was translated in that way. And so that's probably why it makes sense to a lot of us. We're like, okay, I can get that. He goes, what do I do as a dad? I'm like a super smart college theology student. Hmm. <laughs> he goes, you know what I do as a dad? I say, praise God, my son has read the Bible. Amen. <laughs> we just need to relax a little bit. Woo. Ephesians 5. Husbands, 
Go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving and not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. He washes it with the water of the word. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. Dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. So, if God cares that much about his church, shouldn't we? I'm afraid that church has become one more event or organization that we're trying to figure out how it fits in our schedule. Well, I have prior plans. Huh. Well, we didn't get much sleep last night. Huh. Well, I got a sniffle, and you know how people are about sniffles now. I sniffled, and all my coworkers gave us, gave us a dirty look. I coughed, and they think it might be me. I might be the leper at work. I don't want anybody at church to think I'm the leper. Hmm. Jesus died and shed his blood for this. That's why we gather. Here at Gospel Hope, we say it in some simple ways. You can see them out on the back wall. How do you care about the church? We gather. We gather to worship. We gather to encourage each other. It's really complicated. We gather two key times every week. You should know this. We gather on Sunday morning to worship and then to learn together in equip class. By the way, I'd encourage you to hang around. It will help you grow, right? Worship and equip class. Then we have one other major gathering every week. It's in the middle of the week because we all need it. We have community groups. They meet all around, different times, different places, close to you, maybe not so close to you. They're everywhere in the community. So we gather. We want to live in community together. We want to be a loving part of each other's lives. By the way, that means you have to know other people. I wonder if you looked around this room today, how many people you would know? Because we're creatures of habit, aren't we? Right? Like we sit in the same spot because it's our spot. No one sits here. Back seats are precious. I know. So I yell to the back. But if we're not careful we get really comfortable with the little group of people that we know. Plus, we're scared. Let's be honest. We're, we're scared to ask somebody's name, especially if we've asked it before. We have to know each other. We want to encourage each other in community. We want to be patient with each other and forgive. We want to give of ourselves, our resources, and our gifts to each other. We'll talk about that next week. We learn together. We want you to learn individually, but we want to learn together. We pray for each other, learn God's word. By the way, this is the place you should be confronted and challenged and pushed and your toes should be stepped on. You should come to church and go, God, please step on my toes today. If, if our view of God is super comfortable, then we don't understand God as he is. It should always be pushing and stretching and, and making us uncomfortable. We live in community. We gather in worship. We learn in studies and then we serve together. It's what we do as a church and we reach out into this community. I'm not pleading with you to be a part of that because it's so important to me or it's like super easy to do. I'm telling you that what happens here is not on par with what happens in all the rest of our lives. It's Jesus and his work. It's Jesus and his bride. 
And it's fascinating that the verses we just read in Acts 20 bring us to this point of care, not just about God's church, but actually to care for God's church. Did you see that? Pay careful attention to care for the church of God. In verse 29, Paul says he knows there's going to be attacks. He knows there's going to be threats. He knows there's going to be things that'll be hard. And those are going to come from outside and inside. We should never let our guard down. This is so precious to Jesus that all kinds of things want to mess with it. So we have to be on guard. There are always going to be threats to the truth and unity of the church. It's always going to be around. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy what this has become. Isn't it? Well, I don't know if I can go because people don't take precautions like I think they should. I don't know if I can go because because those people are all living in fear. Really? All Satan is looking for is a little place to get in the cracks and go, bam, bam, bam. And we're like suckers. We're like ready for that to happen. And then when it really gets tense, we're like, ah, I gotta leave that place. What if you lived in a small community where the only church was this ragtag bunch without good musicians, half the time without a pianist, the pastor wasn't that eloquent and impressive, would you still be a part? It's Jesus' church. He bought it. Threats from outside and within. Predators are always near sheep. Remember David before he killed Goliath? He's like, I'm good at that. This slingshot thing, it's in my corner. Because I've had to kill what? Lions and bears that came after the sheep. Yeah. We have an insurance policy for my wife's engagement ring. Because it's precious. Something could happen to it. Right? You get a new car, you're like, I'm going to find the perfect parking space where nobody can possibly hurt this thing. I'm going to care about it. That's what we do with precious things, don't we? We don't let kids play with them. My son and I built a Lego Connects Jeep together. It was awesome. It was fun. And then he drove it till it broke and I had to do auto repair real bad. But it was precious to us. And we, I was like, Tim, this is not a toy toy. This is a toy that you got to take care of. The church is precious. And God wants us to take care of it. To care about it and to care for it. We've come to think of this gathering as another organization in our lives. We have to fit into our schedules. Or something that's kind of important. And we've lost sight of the fact that what we do here is sacred. And it's sacred because of Jesus. The purchaser and the price. And what a privilege to be a part of it. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. The church is the bride that Jesus is getting ready for the wedding day. Man, that's going to be an incredible day. And yet we know both in our own souls and in our society, she's under attack. We're, we're being desensitized and our excuses are getting easier to make. We've been making them to you since the Garden of Eden. We're good at blame and excuses. But God, would you help us to deeply love what you love? Help us not to say we love you and then to lack love for what you love. You say if that's the case, then we just lie to ourselves. So would you fill us with the kind of appreciation and joy and commitment and love for your church. 
Thank you for your many promises. Thank you for the blood that was shed that we'll remember right now. But please drive its worth deep into our souls. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.